Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So in previous installments of Fighting for the Faith, we have covered the false apostle, uh, the self-proclaimed apostle, uh, Catherine Crick, and provided evidence that uh, that she is not a sound teacher, and she engages in some bamboozling, if you put it there. So what we're going to do today is provide you more evidence that this woman is a false apostle by showing that she is a purveyor and a promoter of the word of faith heresy. We'll do a little bit of historical research along the way, show you where it came from. The word of faith heresy actually doesn't come from Kenneth Hagin. It comes from E.W. Kenyon. And uh, when you do your research on E.W. Kenyon, you find out this is a guy who tried to find a way to marry Christianity with Christian science, one of the mind science cults. And uh, he was very overt about that, and uh, and we'll listen to uh, you know an actual part of uh, one of his teachings regarding the word of faith to show you where it actually comes from and where it goes off the rails and demonstrate the Catherine Crick she is a full blown believer in the word of faith heresy and the advice that she's giving the encouragement she's giving to people with illnesses could get them killed no no kidding so uh, let me whirl up the desktop here I, I'm a little bummed that you can't see this in its entirety. So I, I kind of fixed that. Hang on a second here. Uh, this is my Instagram account, and that's the, the entire composition right there, so you can see it. If you want to follow me on Instagram, on my Instagram account, the only thing that we that I do on my Instagram account is related to my photography. Uh, you can find me there at Pirate Christian. That's my name on Instagram, at Pirate Christian. Uh, but alas, that's not what we're here for. So let me close that, and let's take a listen to to this very short uh, video of Catherine Cricks titled, How to Receive Healing, and this will prove she, once again, more proof, because you need to just keep dogpiling here, more proof this woman is a false apostle. She is not sent by Jesus Christ, she's sent by the devil. So let's uh, take a listen. This is how you receive healing. You need to meditate on what God's done for you so that it becomes so real inside of you, so that the moment you start to feel sick or the doctor says something or you feel pain, you're instantly in the spirit. You're instantly in the truth and you can instantly act. And instantly in the spirit, instantly act. Why does her face always look like she's in such pain and agony? You don't say a word of death at all, at all. You don't say any words of death. No, you can't say words of death. You don't give any foothold for the devil, but you speak life. You speak healing. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil's lies of sickness and death and pain and those lies of the devil <laughs> refuse to believe the devil's lies of sickness and pain? Oh boy, this is a mess. Will flee from you and you will access, you will receive the inheritance of healing that Jesus has provided for you. This is what you're learning today, how to actually receive what Jesus has provided for you. It's already there. So we are learning now how to receive it. This is what most people don't know how to actually receive it, how to access it. So maybe you still feel pain, maybe you still have sickness after you've been doing this for days, for weeks, for years. Yeah, the reason why you're going to continue to have pain is because this isn't a biblical doctrine. This is nonsense. This is quackery, uh, you know. And this, you know, and this is not at all what we're to do. And and so she's basically saying, "Are you sick? Well, whatever you do, don't say that, because if you say that, you're agreeing with the lies of the devil, right?" 
Where did she get this from? Well, I, I would note she's uh, in the, the mainstream of the Word of Faith heresy, and that particular teaching comes from a fellow by the name of E.W. Kenyon. E.W. Kenyon. All right, this is a guy, when you do the research, you can find that E.W. Kenyon overtly said that he was trying to find a way to take Christianity and make it compatible with Christian science, okay? Christian science is one of the mind science cults that denies, uh, you know, kind of, you know, the, the existence of the material world. It's a weird form of Gnosticism, if you think about it. And uh, let's listen to this, uh, you know, uh, to this teaching. You can, it's called The Power of Positive Confession of God's Word. And it, it was Kenneth Hagin who plagiarized E.W. Kenyon. And it was Kenneth Hagin that made this teaching of the Word of Faith popular post-World War II. But it, it was E.W. Kenyon who came up with this stuff. And if you can debunk Kenyon, the source, I think you can debunk the rest. You'll see what I'm saying. But let's take a listen to this and see if we can make any sense of E.W. Kenyon's teaching, because Catherine Crick's teaching the same thing here. Let's listen. Confused over the fact that in my own... All right, hang on a second. I got to back it up just a smidge. There For a go. long time, I was confused over the fact that in my own life and the lives of others, there was a continual sense of defeat and failure. I prayed for the sick. I knew that the Bible was true. I searched diligently for the leakage. The leakage. He prayed for the sick, but not all the sick got healed, okay? By the way, in today's modern uh, Pentecostal and Word of Faith churches, there's still leakage, okay? <laughs> they die at the same rate as the rest of the population. Right? They do. They're sick at the same rate as, as the general population. And I would note, some of the major purveyors of the Word of Faith heresy have died of cancer. Okay, just keep that in mind. One day I saw Hebrews 4.14, that we are to hold fast to our confession. Profession in the authorized version. In the third chapter of Hebrews, I discovered that Christianity is called the Great Confession. Yes. I asked myself, what confession am I to hold fast? The <laughs> better question is, what are we to confess according to Hebrews 4? <clears throat> Let's kind of do a little bit of work here, shall we? Okay, Hebrews 4, the, the text in question, we're going to put it in context. And let's, let me read it out without taking it out of context. And I think that's going to help clear some things up. Here's what it says in Hebrews 4.14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Homologeo in the Greek here by homologo. Uh, sorry, logia. Logeo is the verb, and homologia is the noun version of it. Hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need." put it back into context, and you're going to note here, all he's doing is taking Hebrews 4.14, let us hold fast to our confession, and E.W. Kenyon has evacuated the context and has basically turned this into a pretext. Well, I've got to hold fast to my confession. What confession should I hold on to? And watch where he goes. But you're going to know in this text itself, 
as part of its context, we are to then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So this text itself, when you put it back in context, this is the wellspring of the word of faith heresy from E.W. Kenyon, and he's already jumped the tracks on the first text that he references about holding fast to our confession or profession, as it says in the authorized in the King James, and he's ignoring the facts that says, let us draw near to the throne of grace. So what are we to hold fast to? What is the Christian confession? The Christian confession is that Christ has died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, and then on the third day raised from the grave according to the scripture. So Christ has died for our sins. That's our confession. And so we confess that we are saved by grace through faith apart from works. Although we are saved unto good works, we, uh, good works are not the determiner of our justification. And so we also confess that there is that Christ is returning in glory to judge the living and the dead. You, If you think about you know, creeds like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, these are succinct confessions of the Christian faith, for sure. So, but does the scripture teach then that we are to expect as Christians healing based upon our confession? Or that God that Christ has provided perfect healing for us in this lifetime? Answer no. And you'll see this as this develops. So let me come back here. So here's E.W. Here's Kenyon musing, if you would, about, the, uh, about Hebrews 4.14, already ripped it out of context, combined it with a text from Hebrews 3, which you know, basically says that Christianity is the great confession. But now the question is, confessing what? And watch where he goes. I am to hold fast to my confession of the absolute integrity of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I'm to hold fast to the confession of the redemptive work of Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm to hold fast to my confession of the new creation of receiving the life and nature of God. New creation, life and nature of God. Okay, well, I'm not sure what you mean by that exactly. I'm to hold fast to the confession that God is the strength of my life. Indeed. I am to hold fast to the confession that surely he hath borne my sicknesses and carried my diseases. Here we go. So I got to hold fast to my confession that the scriptures say that he hath borne my sicknesses and carried my diseases. He's quoting Isaiah 53 through 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me explain. Now, let me go to the text in question. 1 Peter chapter 2, all right? It says very clearly, by his wounds you have been healed. And I, you know, I've heard the Copeland say, I are healed, right? I is. This is a present tense kind of thing. But watch what it's talking about. So here Peter is quoting from Isaiah 53. And listen to what it means, because you'll note that true apostles are able to help us to rightly understand biblical texts from the Old Testament. When they quote the scriptures of the Old Testament and give us the interpretation, it is an infallible interpretation and understanding by virtue of the fact they are true apostles. So here's what the Apostle Peter says. All right, um, so I, I'm going to back up just a little bit because I love this text. Uh, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Uh, oh, wait, what? Christ has suffered 
for you. And he's left in this as an example so that you can follow in his steps and you can suffer too, right? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And then here we go. He himself, Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that he that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So when it says that Christ has borne our sicknesses and disease, and by his wounds we are healed. What disease is being healed here? Cancer? No. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis? Nope. What's being healed here is sin sickness. Okay. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Peter is making it very clear. Isaiah 53 is not talking about being cured of cancer. It's about being cured of the disease that causes cancer. And what is the disease that causes cancer? Sin. Okay, this is not promising perfect health in this world or in this lifetime. Instead, it's promising that we are forgiven because Christ has borne our sins in his body on the tree. That's good news, by the way. But what E.W. Kenyon has done here, and it's masterfully done as far as a deceitful way of handling the text, is he's put out some confessions that are true, and then he snuck in one that's false because it ignores the context and it twists the scripture. So listen again. I'm going to have you listen to some of his his confessions that are true, and then the sneaky one that is false. And E.W. Kenyon is the well that Hagen drew from. In fact, he flat out plagiarized Kenyon uh, in his works and his his doctrines to create the Word of Faith heresy, and Catherine Crick is a purveyor of it. Listen Nature of God. I'm to hold fast to the confession that God is the strength of my life. Indeed. I am to hold fast to the confession that surely he hath borne my sicknesses and carried my diseases. Right, but that means sin sickness. And that by his stripes I am healed. It means sin sickness here. We're healed of sin sickness. First Peter 2 makes that very clear. I found it very difficult to hold fast to the confession of perfect healing when I had pain in my body. The Bible doesn't promise perfect healing in this lifetime. Nope, not at all. So we got a problem here. And that is, is that the whole word of faith heresy, this idea that the Bible teaches that we are to receive perfect healing in this lifetime is false. It's a twisting of God's word. It's a twisting of Isaiah 53 and of 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is a mess, okay? So you're going to note here, This then is where the jaws of the trap now close on those who believe this false doctrine because they are cut off from confessing that they even have an illness. Let me back this up just a little. Listen again. Born my sicknesses and carried my diseases, and that by his stripes I am healed. I found it very difficult to hold fast to the confession of perfect healing when I had pain in my body. Pain is a real thing. And saying that you're in pain is not somehow a negative confession against what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. Made the discovery that I had been making two confessions. I had been confessing the absolute truthfulness of the Word of God 
And at the same time, I was making a confession that I was not healed. Because <laughs> you weren't. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're confessing that you weren't healed. But again, Hebrews 4 put back into context, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet is without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. <laughs> Which means when you have a time of need, and that, that, that might be that you have something wrong with your body. You cry out to God and you say, Lord, I am in pain. I am sick. I am not well. Please have mercy on me and help me. You're not denying what Christ did on the cross when you do this. The very text that Kenyon points to that says we have to hold fast to our confession tells us to draw near to the throne of grace in time of need so that we might find help. You see the duplicity of this particular heresy? And that is what it is. It is heresy. And it traps people. Traps people and makes it so they don't cry out to God and ask for help. Because it teaches that to do so is to somehow agree with Satan? To agree with something that's false? No, it's to speak the truth. You're in need. Cry out to God. He'll help you. If you had said, do you believe that by his stripes you are healed? I would have said, yes, sir, I do. But in the next breath, I would have said, but the pain is still there. The second confession nullified the first. No biblical text teaches this at all. None whatsoever. And you'll note, uh, let, me, let me do this. James chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? James writes, right? Half-brother of Jesus. Well, let him pray. Are you suffering? You need to pray. That means to ask God for help. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? If the answer is yes, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for one another that you may be healed. It doesn't guarantee healing, by the way. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Uh, James makes it clear. Sometimes you don't have because you don't ask. And the word of faith cuts people off from praying to God and asking them for help, asking God for help. Sorry, it's weird to refer to God as them. Although he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's one God. So my apologies. My, I, I misspoke there. My brain grabbed the wrong words. But I, I confess that I believe in God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are one God, three persons, not three gods. Anyway, all that being said, You'll know when we are in hell, we are in need, we are to call out to God and ask him for help. And if God doesn't say yes, well, then you're going to die and you're going to see Christ. <laughs> and the perfect healing that is promised comes when we are raised from the dead. 
right? That's the hope of the resurrection. In fact, I would remind you of that particular hope. 1 Corinthians 15 really lays this out wonderfully. And um, talking about the the resurrection of the body, some will ask, how are the dead raised? Uh, With what kind of body do they come? 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and each, uh, each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies, there are earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. Mm -hmm. Your body and mine, totally perishable as a result of sin, right? That's the reason. What is raised is imperishable. The imperishable is coming. Uh, You will not be imperishable until the resurrection. Instead, what your body is right now, it is totally perishable. So is mine, right? And and that's what's going to happen. If Christ continues to delay and and, and to wait until his return, then guess what's going to happen to my body? It going to perish. You know what's going to happen to your body? It going to perish too, Okay, Uh, (laughs) what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of the dust. The second man is from heaven. And as was the man of the dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Right? So uh, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. When you are raised from the dead, you will be imperishable. In the meantime, you are perishable. That's the point. And so you're going to note this this whole teaching of of E.W. Kenyon in the Word of Faith Heresy and Catherine Crick, who's a purveyor of it, is absolutely not taught in Scripture. Are you in suffering because your perishable body is getting close to perishing? Pray to God. Ask Him for help. Ask Him to alleviate your suffering. Ask Pray, seek his mercy and help in time of need, and you can say to him, Lord, I am sick. I am perishing. Help. And you know what he'll do? He'll help you. And maybe the way he'll help you is to bring your death to being quicker (laughs) so that your suffering doesn't continue on. He might even choose to miraculously heal you. God still miraculously heals. So, yeah, you you got the idea here. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and the mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? So, here's the problem. Uh, E.W. Kenyon's false 
teaching ignores the clear passage that says our bodies presently are perishable and as a result of it, they perish and they suffer. And it is not a lie of the devil that you're sick. That's a true statement of fact regarding what's happening to your perishable body. And so when that happens to you, we are to call out to God for his help in times of need. But listen, listen more. In reality, I had two confessions. First, a confession of my perfect healing and redemption in Christ. And uh, No, uh, again, Isaiah 53 is about sin sickness. It's not about our perfect healing. That doesn't come until the imperishable fades away and we put on the imperishable. Second, that the redemption and healing was not a fact. <laughs> no, when you're saying you're sick, you're not denying Christ's redemption and healing of your sin sickness. First uh, Peter 2 makes it clear that's what that's referring to. Then came the great battle to gain the mastery over my confession until I learned to have but one confession. If I confess that my God shall supply every need of mine, I must not nullify that confession by saying, yes, God supplies my needs, but I cannot pay my rent. I cannot pay the telephone bill. Faith holds fast to the confession of the word. Ask, are you not able to pay your telephone bill? Ask God to help. Cry out to him. And he'll supply your needs. But you'll know that at this point, you can't say the words, I can't pay my bills. I can't pay my phone bill. Maybe you need to switch to a different provider, but that's a different story altogether, right? But this this guy is teaching that if you say, I can't pay my phone bill, you are negatively confessing and nullifying uh, the, the, uh, apparently a promise in scripture that God's going to uh, give you everything that you need uh, and that you'll always be able to pay your bills. Again, twisting scripture here. And it's not our confession that makes it so that God supplies our needs. It's our prayers and our asking. And asking requires us to recount what we're asking for and why we need those things. Boy, is this a mess. Sense knowledge holds fast to the confession of physical evidences. If I accept physical evidence over against the word of God, I nullify the word. As no text says this. If I, if I accept physical evidence, I'm sick, I'm running a fever of 101. Ah! I've just nullified the word of God. Baloney. This guy is lying. This is, this is the fountainhead of the word of faith heresy. No scripture says that if you ask God and tell him what you're struggling with, that that nullifies the promises of faith or you know, promises of scripture. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is a deadly, deadly heresy. As far as I'm concerned. But I hold fast to my confession that God's word is true, that by his stripes I am healed. Again, sin, sickness, Peter makes that clear. That my God does supply my needs. And he does. I hold fast to that confession in the face of apparent contradictions. So, so when you're in need or in pain, it's a contradiction against God's word. No, it isn't. That's a consequence of your sin and the fact that you have a perishable body. This is, this, again, anybody who falls into this, they are in a trap. 
and they're cut off from asking God for the help that they need. It's it's a terrible satanic lie that uh, E.W. Kenyon put forward here. And you're going to note here, this is exactly what Catherine Crick is teaching. Listen again. This is how you receive healing. You need to meditate on what God's done for you so that it becomes so real inside of you. So that the moment you start to feel sick or the doctor says something or you feel pain, you're instantly in the spirit. You're instantly in the truth. So you're in pain. The doctor's given you a report and you're in pain and the doctor has said something. And you can instantly act and you don't say a word of death at all. At yeah, don't say a word of death. If the doctor says you have cancer, you don't say, oh, I have cancer because then that's a word of death. All. You don't give any foothold for the devil, but you speak life. You speak healing. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil is not the one who told you you have cancer. It's your doctor because you have cancer. Your perishable, bo perishable body has an illness. Resist the devil's lies of sickness and- <laughs> The devil is not lying to you when your doctor says that you have a bad disease. It, the devil is not lying to you when you have a runny nose and running a fever. This is, this is quackery. This is flat out heresy. And anyone who believes this is in a trap and they are being cut off from asking God for the help that he can give and death and pain, and those lies of the devil will flee from you. Death and pain, no, And no. you will access, you will receive the inheritance of healing that Jesus has provided for you. God hasn't, Jesus hasn't given me an inheritance of healing. Isaiah 53 is about sin sickness. I think you get the idea here that this, this, this is complete quackery. This is not sound. This is more proof that this woman is a flat-out heretic, and she's no apostle of Jesus Christ. She wasn't sent by Jesus Christ. This woman was sent by the devil to deceive people. If you know anybody who's under the sway of this woman, uh, you, you need to help them so that they can get out from under her lies and her deceptions, because you buy into this, and you actually have a real terrible illness like cancer, rather than getting the help that you need and the treatment that you need so that your cancer can be taken care of and go into remission, you're going to instead say, I'm not going to agree with the lies of the devil. And as a result of it, you're not going to get the, the treatment that you need and you're going to die. This is the kind of, of false doctrine that kills people. And the word of faith heresy is replete with story after story after story of friends, family members, and people who have refused to treatment because they believe that if they did that, they would be agreeing with the devil's lies. And as a result of it, they died or their sickness got way worse. But this isn't a biblical teaching. It is a twisting of scripture. And the source is not the Bible. The source is an is a old heretic by the name of E.W. Kenyon, who was made popular by Kenneth Hagin. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And I'd like to give a shout out and a thank you for all of our crew members. Uh, it is our crew members that help us financially to be able to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And I want to thank you for your support so that we can continue to do this work. If you're thinking about joining our crew, all the information, there's a link down below on how you can join our crew and support us in the work that we're doing. And thank you if you do. So until next Next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Mm -hmm.